Let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to dive into your word and to study it. Father God, I pray that you would just give everyone ears to hear and hearts to receive your message today. And Lord, that you would just make it into a blessing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, if you will, please turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We're reading verses 16 through 18. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And if you want to look that up in your pew Bible, you will turn it to page 685. So 685 in your pew Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And it reads, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret reward you. All right. So if you, as you've noticed, we're already out of the Lord's Prayer. We finally come out of it after this five-part series. We're getting into a different topic, but we're still on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and we're moving into a new topic within that sermon. All the same, I want to remind you uh, of what we were talking about before we got into our little mini-series within a mini-series. We open Matthew 6 which opens up with an interesting verse. It read, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And this, of course, is somewhat of an umbrella statement to kind of capture a couple different ideas inside of it. Three in particular is what it's referring to, and we've already gone over the first two. The three disciplines that this is talking about are giving, prayer, and fasting. Well, today we're going to be talking about fasting, the third part of this series. And I've, and I've always sort of struggled to talk about the topic of fasting, to preach about the topic of fasting. And to be truthful, it's because I don't fast very often myself. So I guess I've always kind of felt a little bit guilty telling people about how to fast when I don't do a whole lot of fasting. The most significant fast that I did was back when I was in college at Cleveland State University. And it's while well, I was on the wrestling team out there. And what was fascinating about that, it was a three-day fast. Uh, I chose not to eat anything, but I was drinking fluids. But we would weigh in and weigh out of every practice. So before we start practice, we weigh in, and after every practice, we weigh out. And at that time, I noticed that I was losing 10 pounds from the start of every practice to the end. And the majority of that, of course, was water weight, so I was replacing that. But you get the picture. Losing 10 pounds is losing 10 pounds. And during this fast, like I said, I was only drinking food. So you would think that I was desperate to eat something during that three-day period. Well, that wasn't the case. 
In fact, after three days, I almost found the smell of food to be repulsive. I didn't want to go back eating. I was actually very satisfied with the fast that I was doing. But after a little bit, I decided that, you know what, it's probably a good idea. I should really get something in my stomach so that I can be healthy, so that I can continue to practice hard and, and function at an optimal level. So to this day, I believe that this sensation that I experienced of not being hungry during this time was a spiritual blessing from the Lord because I was exchanging the time where I would be eating with study of God's word and prayer. But that was a long time ago. So I felt like, okay, well, maybe what I need to do before I give this message is I actually need to fast. I need to fast during this week so that I can get something out of it so I can share it with the congregation and help them to see the blessing that fasting can give you. <clears throat> so I tried it again. I did another three-day fast. The way that I did it this time, I was allowed to eat, but only one meal a day, and it was in the evening, so I would eat at dinner time, but throughout the rest of the day, I didn't eat. I was still allowing myself to drink, but um, I was not allowing myself to eat anything until it was dinner time. And once again, it was a great experience. It was filled with blessings, the details of which I'm going to save for another time. But I don't, want, I don't want you to be misled. Fasting is not about being cheerful and happy. It is about denying yourself of something essential for your own survival. I would say the most serious fasting would be that of depriving yourself of food. And in many cases, some people will go days of depriving themselves from food and drink, uh, as evidenced by scripture. Let us return to the words of Jesus for a moment, and we can learn together about the discipline of fasting from Jesus. So Jesus said inside the Sermon on the Mount, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, humor me for a moment, because it is one thing to read this and say, Amen, and to let it stand. But we are doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount, an expository series, and trying to break everything down. And when I, as a preacher, come across this, it is actually kind of difficult to preach on this. I mean, where do you start on a subject like this? Because when you start going through the Old Testament examples of fasting, it seems as though Jesus was preaching against the common practice of fasting. The Old Testament practice of fasting is always somber. It is always a devastating scene. For instance, in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel puts on sackcloth and throws ashes over his head as he fasts. Mordecai in Esther chapter 4 broke down in sackcloth and ashes, as well as the Jewish people once they learned that Haman was planning on exterminating their entire race of people. And of course, the Ninevites, upon hearing the prophetic words, of Jonah, they declared a fast where they put on sackcloth 
and ashes as a sign of sorrow and repentance. And God honored all of these fasts. So how can Jesus come along and tell us that hypocrites do such things? If you presume that the Bible is God's word and that Jesus is God's son, you would conclude that Jesus was talking about something other than this very holy practice that we see throughout the Old Testament. Let us start with an accusation against Jesus and his disciples in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 15. John the Baptist's disciples came and asked Jesus about fasting. They asked, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. <clears throat> Very fascinating interaction that Jesus had with John's disciples. And in all truthfulness, to our ears, Jesus' answer might not sound all that satisfactory. Is he really saying that if you have Jesus with you, you don't have to fast? Does that mean that fasting is no good to us? I mean, after all, we carry the Holy Spirit inside of us. We essentially have Jesus with us everywhere we go. Does that mean that fasting is no good to us? And we know that's not right because in the Sermon on the Mount, he's telling us how to fast. What question was he truly dealing with from John and his disciples? Well, before we answer that question, and before we get into anything else, let's look at their cultural context. I mean, the Pharisees, they were the keepers of the law. And those were one of the people in question inside of John's disciples' um, question, the Pharisees, and they were keepers of the law. John's disciples were also dedicated to upholding the law of Moses. So what does the law of Moses say about the matter of fasting. So what I've decided to take upon myself is to look up every single Old Testament passage from the law of Moses regarding fasting. And I decided I'm going to read each and every one of you, uh, read each and every one of them to you today. Now, the first one I'm going to be reading, I'm kind of lumping them all together in this. Uh, there's actually three in relation to the Day of Atonement. Those are Leviticus chapter 16, verses 29 through 30, Leviticus 23, 27 through 31, and Numbers 29, 7. Those are all addressing essentially the same day, the Day of Atonement. So I'm going to lump those all together into uh, Leviticus chapter 16, 29 through 30, because they're all essentially saying the same thing in that regard. Okay, so Leviticus, Leviticus 16, 29 through 30, this is regarding the Day of Atonement, or as we call it, Yom Kippur, um, and it reads, This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. On the tenth day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves. And by the way, deny yourselves in the Hebrew means not eat, means that you're not eating. So you're denying yourself. And do and not do any work, whether native-born or foreigner residing among you, because on this day atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord, you will be clean from all your sins. All right, next one. So we're moving on to the next. Uh-oh, got a problem. 
man, this is actually a little bit embarrassing here. I said I was going to read to you every single one, but it turns out that that one and the other two, well, that's it. That's the only reference I find regarding a day of fasting instead of the law of Moses. In fact, that is the only command in the law of Moses prescribing a day of fasting at all. Has this question from John's disciples and Jesus' answer not just become infinitely more interesting? What was the complaint of John's disciples? What was we and the Pharisees fast all the time? But you and your disciples, y'all never fast. What's the deal, Jesus? How many days were the people of God commanded to fast? One day. They were commanded to fast one day of the entire year. As a nation, they were commanded as a people to fast one day and only one day. So what is the real question that John's disciples were asking Jesus? Why aren't you and your disciples going along with the rest of the crowd? Why aren't you and your disciples being one of the cool kids? Why aren't you and your disciples doing what the truly religious people are doing? They were so brainwashed by the formalities of tradition that they neglected the truth that God's law says once, one day a year, Shall you fast? Now, of course, that doesn't mean that you can't fast outside of that. It's not a mandate that you can only fast one day out of the entire year. You can fast on your own all that you want. And of course, uh, you can fast with other people too. You can fast as a church. You can fast as a family. You can even have a block party if you want to. You gather together your neighbors and your friends and say, all right, everybody, we're going to fast together. You can do those sorts of things. But don't go around telling everyone else that if they don't fast, they're dishonoring God somehow. You're fasting on your own conviction. Sometimes, yes, sometimes it is necessary to fast on mass scale outside of the law. But I can't think of a single instance where this does not have something to do with repentance. Fasting and repentance are very much linked. But for your own fasting purposes, and by the way, it doesn't just have to be food. It could be a habit, a type of food, a type of drink, or anything that might be taking time away from your focus on God. So in the Sermon on the Mount, what was Jesus saying? When you choose to fast, don't go around making a scene so everyone can say, oh, Bill is so holy. Oh, Bill is so committed. I wish I could be as righteous as Bill who fasts so many days of the year. Jesus is saying, if you're saying that, you've received your reward already. If you're fasting just for public accolades, you've received your reward already. Now, in case you're wondering, and I had to cite this because I almost have written it down word for word, uh, 
reasons for fasting. I got this from the NIVBible.com. There are at least 10 biblical reasons to have a more personalized sort of fast. And these reasons are to strengthen your prayer life, to seek God's guidance, to express grief, to seek deliverance or protection, to express repentance, to humble oneself, to express concern or interest in a particular work of God, to minister to the needs of others, to overcome temptation, and to show love and affection towards God, which, of course, we call this sort of fast, this sort of action, we call it worship. Now, there is still one day that was prescribed as a day of fasting amongst all of God's people in the nation of Israel. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. If they missed that day of fasting, but they fasted all year round, they are missing the bus. Now, have you ever done that before? You've prepared for something, prepared for something, put all your time into preparing for something, and then finally the day is at hand where you're able to put that into practice and you miss it? I think that at some point we've all done that. It happens to us. So it didn't matter if they fasted all the time. Yom Kippur was what it was all about. And in Jesus' response to John's disciples, it is easy to miss what he was truly telling them. He said, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he was with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. <clears throat> so what was the Day of Atonement. It was the day where the Israelites presented sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sins. Need I say no more? But I will. I will say more just to be able to bring this message home. The Day of Atonement involved a lot of sacrifices. It was the day every year where Israel would say, our sins have been paid for. Our sins have been taken care of. God has covered over our sins. Jesus and his disciples, make no mistake, they fasted. But there's only one day that mattered. The true day of atonement. Because in all of those animal sacrifices, not one of them had the power to truly forgive mankind or sin. Not one of them could truly bear the burden of mankind. Jesus became one with our sin on the cross as he died as the perfect sacrifice. Now, the disciples may not have known that they had the bridegroom within their presence. And until he was sacrificed, there is no need for fasting. The Day of Atonement was what mattered. So when we fast, let us always keep in mind, it is not that we are so good and holy that we are able to draw near to God. After all, we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The sacrifice of the Old Testament, those were foreshadowings of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Our exercise of the discipline of fasting only finds meaning in the new life given to us 
as a result of Jesus' death and resurrection. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this practice you've given us called fasting, where we deny ourselves that we carry our cross and we draw near to you through it. Father God, I pray that we're able to do just that, that we're able to practice our spiritual disciplines, especially fasting, to be a way to empty ourselves of everything that we want to be and instead allow you to fill us as we know that we live on the word of God. So Father God, I pray that you would bless us. I pray, Lord, that we would uh, seek you all the more fervently and draw near to you as we go about our days. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.